0: All right. It is so genuinely nice to be here. I recognize, not that I know who you are, but I recognize so many faces, and it's like a family to me. I love to see the same people next time in the family, not a continual change of faces. That bothers me. People going from church to church, church shopping, that's just unhealthy. To be a healthy Christian, honestly, as a I have no agenda. I'm too old to care what people think about me. And I'm too old to play games or try to build a ministry. I'm here to build God's kingdom. So listen when I tell you, the most healthy thing for you spiritually is to be locked in and tied to a healthy church. If you're waiting for and looking for a perfect church, keep looking because you won't find one. While you're there, it's less perfect. (laughs) So lock into the family God's given you because, you know, you can't pick family. That's what a church is, is family. We we all know what family feels like. That's why we only have one Thanksgiving. (laughs) Because we're so happy for Thanksgiving and so glad when they go home. Right? You understand that, right? So be committed to your local church. Don't go on occasion. Don't watch it on the Internet. You cannot catch what's happening in the atmosphere and the spirit. Don't sit there and moan because the worship was too long or that one spoke too loud or didn't like that song or I didn't like the lighting and that person irritates me with a way that they dance. Stop. Just get focused on the Lord is what I want to tell you and be a healthy Christian because life is very short. We pass through here only once. It's appointed a man man to live and once, just once and then you will see him face to face. It's very real, very, very real and I'm glad, genuinely, to be here in so many faces I do recognize, and I'm thrilled. For those who don't know me, I'm Ed Trout, I'm husband of one wife, I have three children and 10 grandchildren, wow. and I live in San Antonio where God lives. Wow. I, origi- <laughs> I originate from a city called Cape Town, the southern tip of Africa, so I would be known, genuinely, as an African-American, <laughs> the real thing. But I was born there because my mother exiled the Holocaust. She was a Jewess with her family and got away just in time and escaped to the southern tip I, refugee ship into Cape Town. And that's where I was born. And, of course, I was raised in a non-Orthodox Jewish family. And then I got born again when I was 13. I loved the salvation and the sensation or the nostalgia of the getting born again experience. And I got saved for five Sundays in a row. Just kept on... <laughs> <laughs> Repenting and weeping and all that kind of thing, and I'm not sorry for it. Uh, you guys from Arkansas, I'll be this next weekend in a place called El Dorado, Arkansas. If you know where that is, I have a deep, a deep appreciation for a place called Jasper, which is where the uh, end-time handmaidens had their base. Do you know where that is? Remarkable, remarkable woman of God, that wrote fifty odd books. Gwen Shaw is her name. She was a missionary to, she prayed for me. I went there and she met her and she was just an amazing woman in all round. She spoke fluent Chinese. She was a Chinese uh, missionary, but she was a woman of prayer. And I tell you, those people didn't play. They fasted. You came to Jasper to fast and pray. And when they prayed, the the glory of God came in 10 seconds. You could feel the atmosphere like, whoo, where am I? It was just remarkable. And uh, so we've had people praying in this nation. I would really love to see their spirit of prayer again. We are at the brink of a huge wave of God moving through the nation again, because He said He'd build His church. And we've been in a real place of slumber, but God is waking us up, right? All right. If you'll turn your Bibles to the book of John, chapter 5. Wir freuen wir, wenn jemand Deutsch verstehen in diesem Raum können. Keiner? Schade. <laughs> Alright, so with me today is Eric and uh, Sonya. They are on staff. Uh, they don't do much. So they say they work, but I have to watch them. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. And uh, he's uh, my grandchildren. I have ten grandchildren. These are two of them. They are the miracle children. In my family, we have a disease called twin-to-twin transfusion syndrome, which means every generation have twins, and one dies or they both die. And I was a twin, my wife had twins, and she lost them. My twin died, and then when those twins were conceived, I began to go into, I was the first spiritual person in my family, began to intercede and pray and warfare, and it was a journey. Believe me, it was a journey. They were born at 26 weeks. And the healthy one, what they call the recipient, it would be Erica. Wave, Erica. She's the one that's supposed to be the strong one who had a heart defect. And she has a leg that's shorter than others. She's had surgery now to lengthen the bone in one of the legs. Quite a traumatic surgery. And the other one next to her who was the, the donor is actually the little gymnast. And she's full of energy. And, but they just they are such a gift from God to us. We enjoy her, them thoroughly. We, and they sit there as, a, as a, every doctor, every specialist had no hope. But I believe when you go after it. He said, if you, if you can believe, all things are possible. There's no limit. There is no limit. Okay, good. If you can believe, the devil's fighting your faith. That's what he's trying to destroy. Now, I'm going to teach you the word. I've only recently come to the realization that I assumed for years that all my friends understand a lot of the Jewish ways. That because the scriptures are riddled with Jewish ways in the Gospels. And so Jesus and his teachings and his behavior was very influenced by his Jewish upbringing and his ways. And they all understood it. And so many things you take for granted, you have no idea what it really means. I was explaining that when Jesus said you forsake the law for your traditions, I know exactly what that means. Traditions for us is what's handed down verbally from magnificent rabbi who had some amazing rabbis with all their depth in teaching and, and expounding the, the law and scripture, they would hand down traditions. And it got so precious to the Jewish faith that when they were scattered, they what they did was in the year 200, they wrote put it in paper. It's called the Mishnah. You may have heard of the mission, and Jews often refer to it continually. But that's the tradition. They, that came from the rabbis rather than from the written word of God, from which came from the utterance, as the Scripture says, by the Holy Spirit. And that's what Jesus was challenging: was their was their traditions that they kept getting off on the religious. And so today we do the same thing. The churches have the gospel, but they write thick constitutions for the church and bylaws on what to how to practice and how to how to do certain things. And we ignore often those things and form a pattern of churches that are following the Lord in discipleship. Right. Now, we have four Gospels, and John, which is the only disciple that was not martyred and lived a very long life into his 90s. And John was only 18 when he met Jesus. Only 18 years old, he was a teenager, and that's why he didn't do a whole lot in the Scriptures in the beginning. But in his, eight, in his 80s years, he was in Ephesus where he wrote the book of John. But when he was 90, he wrote the book of Revelation on the Isle of Patmos. Both times he had help from his disciples And the book of John is more of a a message than it is a historical book. And I'd like you to read with me to John chapter 5, please. If if you've turned there already, I'm thrilled. If not, now's a good time. I'm still going through my little iPhone. I'll believe in iPhone. I think Jesus would love iPhone myself. (laughs) Because he said, I am that I am. So iPhone and iPad would seem like the right thing. That's what I'm saying, y'all. All right, now just to teach you that there were many miracles done by Jesus. That was the main mark of the Messiah that they were looking for from Isaiah, the mark. They thought John would be it because of his message he said, no, no, I'm not the one. And Jesus was doing the miracles so profoundly, but his message was so unacceptable that they wanted to stone him. And he said, he said to them, which of the miracles are you stoning me? They said, not for the miracles but for what you're saying. And that's what the difficulty was with the Jews to accept it because they were stuck on their traditions. Now, uh, what happened in Jerusalem, he did many miracles, but only two of them were ever told, expounded, or described. Both of them were on a Sabbath, a Shabbat. And I know that many of you don't understand what that means to a Jew. Shabbat is a very special and holy day. If you work with Jews, real Jews, they will already in the afternoon on Friday afternoon, they're gone. They're gone to get ready for Shabbat. It is a special family gathering every Friday evening. Mother lights candles and they burn till Shabbat is over. And then they begin to recite different prayers and thanksgiving to God. And they have a cup and they have bread. It's not unleavened. It's leavened and it's even plaited. It's plaited because they want to remember the days of slavery but they were, their arms were folded, they were in bondage. And so these are all symbols we, are, we grew up with and understand. And so when they come, it's a happy time. And, and usually by the end of it, the Father's blessing each of his children. And then Shabbat has begun, and so the time of rest comes. It's so important to an orthodox, devoted Jew, legalistic Jew, that in Israel, right now, in Jerusalem, I recently took a tour there in March, If you go through a district where there's Orthodox Jews and they look black, hair, hat, curls, clothes, all black, children, same dress, women, black, the whole community is dressed in black, that's Orthodox. If you drive through there, though it's legal, on, on a Sabbath, they will stone your car. That's how serious they take Sabbath. They find it extremely offensive. And they try and they have their kids marry as quick as they legally can and have as many kids as they possibly can as fast as they can. So they're trying to grow the Jewish faith and trying to restore Israel to the way that they believe it should be. And these things are always happening. And Jesus contended with many religious groups and they're all in the Word. And his, his, his encounters with them reveal his, his ways, his personality. Even some of his disciples came from different walks, whether it was from a zealot or whether it was tax, different groups that you had to deal with. So now, John tells us about this particular incident. Before I describe it to you, I must describe a little bit of Jerusalem to you. Jesus' very important life was around Galilee and around the temple in Jerusalem. The temple was, in the time of Jesus, Jerusalem was magnificent. There was a slogan, if you've not seen Jerusalem, you've not seen a beautiful city in the east, because it was such a beautiful city at Herod. Herod the Great had built, he was a great builder. He built many magnificent buildings, including his own palace and bridges and all kinds of cities like Caesarea. But he built this temple, which Solomon had built originally. He rebuilt it on a much bigger scale, and he wanted to raise it so high and so big. The platform called the Temple Mount is as big as 12 football fields. Now imagine... How big that is. And the, the bigger part of it is the court of the Gentiles. So you go up to the mount. If you're a Gentile, there's a place you can go to. There's a little ridge, and you can't go any further. And that's where they had all those trading temp, trading food and animals and uh, all kinds. Of, they could have up to th- three or 4,000 people in a festival at that time up on the mount. And they could have all these animals which are sacrificing. They could sacrifice thousands of animals in a certain feast, like, like, like at Passover. And so they're trading, and that's what Jesus did. He came in a certain demonstration, turned some tables over to demonstrate things. He didn't turn them all. He couldn't. There was too many. But if you, if you visualize and understand how and so many things Jesus did was on a specific scale. In your life, he numbers the hairs on your head. He's very involved in your life. You don't often accept it because he's not doing what you think he should be. You should be getting parking in front of the store. Then he loves you. He should be helping you get out of trouble and not have make. Why did he not let me leave five minutes later? I would have missed that car wreck. Things that we hold God responsible for, and we want to, we want to assess his appreciation or love for by stupid things. Right. I'm here to tell you that God's word is faithful. He's he's never changed. His love is exactly what he says he is. There's no one like him. He is magnificent. His love for you is intense. You cannot even comprehend how great his love is for you. Do you understand? He doesn't always answer your prayer, give you what you want, because he cares too much. If you wouldn't, I wouldn't give one of my grandsons a gun. I had one grandson who's now 20. He pestered me for years for guns, and and he he wants a real one. With the toys, it hurt the other kids, but only other grandkids. I wouldn't give him a real one because he just was. I don't trust him. So you won't give a child of God what they're asking if you are God, because if you know it's going to hurt them, including money. Because you show with a little how faithful you are. That's the truth. It's real. I'm here to tell you it's true. We're talking about offerings and tithes today. Tithe was introduced by Melchizedek and Abraham long before there's any law. That's where tithing came from. It's not an old or New Testament thing, it's a principle. And then we have offerings, and I know my Gentile friends don't get the offering thing, they're confused about it. So I'm going to help you a little bit, if I may. <laughs> I ask my friends in Israel when they take them tours, did Jesus? Make sacrifices. No, they say, he had no sin. Actually, he made many sacrifices. Just didn't do a sin sacrifice. But these, this many first fruits, thanksgiving, there's many thing, offerings. In fact, when he was born, you can read in Luke that they sacrificed two turtle doves. Right. So the sacrifice is very normal. He was part of all that. And the same with offerings. Same. Now, an offering is something that comes from your heart. If you sow a seed, and I heard when you were believing for, and you went for the list, and I like that list, it's very great. But if you sow money, you better believe for money. And a lot of you don't get it because you're not expecting it. You're giving it like an offering, or, well, in America, we have the syndrome of tipping. We have wonderful tippers. No nation in the world tips like America. But it goes over into the church and we tip. And you're losing. Because when you give to God, there's got to be sacrifice involved. Now, hold that hold that one side. Let's get to the seed. If you sow a seed as a farmer, no one here in Texas will plow a field and go buy some seed and say, well, I can't afford to plow this whole, put the seed, I'm going to spread it out far because I can't afford all these seeds. No, you're going to, you're going to prepare your soil in proportion of what you can afford, or you're going to sow seed to get, The harvest you want. If you want a big harvest, you've got to sow the seed that works with that. So you understand, you can't sow ten dollars and expect that you're going to get a brand new car. There's no there's no proportion to that whatsoever. And so there has to. When you sow a seed, you're sowing it specifically. Your faith is after that seed, and you're looking for a return. And you're entitled to. You should be expecting a return because now you're sowing a seed, and God's not mocked. What a man sows, he'll reap. You all quote that, but that's only for sowing. Now, the offering. There's all kinds of offerings, but an offering is not for you to expect something back. An offering is an act of love to God. An offering is something that comes from, and they said, David, I'll sacrifice, I'll give you one of my cows, David. No, I will not give to God that which costs me nothing. When you give to God an offering, an offering to God, not wanting anything back. You're expressing either thanksgiving or first fruit. You're giving to God because you love him. I don't give to my children at Christmas time and expect them to give me some back. It's an act of love from me. So when I give an offering, it's because I love him. But I know this, that when you do certain offerings, you open the heavens. Because God reciprocates, because he sees the sacrifice. It's not about the amount or how much you're giving it's the sacrifice involved and it it irritates the fire out of many christians the constant offerings and ties because they're badly motivated some people have revelation and a lot of preachers don't and they teach it because it's still the truth and it's so awkward because the people feel like they're just trying to pull money from them i'm not i want to teach you i'm too old to care now i want to teach you the truth to set you free because it works for me it's worked for us. There's my staff. You can t- I can tell you I don't pl- plead for money. I don't ask him for money. I go small churches. It makes a difference to me. I'm going to go to poor countries because I know who supplies my need. Yes. Yes. I have no problem sewing up. No problem giving, and I, n- I love to give God an offering. I will give to which I must I must feel the pain. When I give to God, it mustn't be easy. If I give a few dollars and tip like an American can, there's no offering involved. There's no act of love to my God. Do you understand? So when he comes up and he, he starts to receive the offering, he's creating an opportunity, a window, because now it's a window for you to take that offering that you've been wanting to do the whole week. You wanted to thank God for what he's done, to express your love. Now you bring your offering to him. God responds to generosity. Generosity is what builds God's kingdom, not wealth. It, in the book of Acts 10, I'm teaching the truth. I'm teaching you the word of God. You don't have to like me. I, don't, I really don't care. But there's the truth. Cornelius wasn't even a Christian. He wasn't even a Jew. Yet he gave generously and got an angel come to him. On the other side, a few miles away, because he's in Caesarea in the little south in a town called Joppa, Peter's on the roof praying, waiting for him to finish the food. And An angel went to Cornelius, who's not a Jew, he's not a disciple, not a Christian. The angel went to him, but not to Peter. Don't tell me that generosity doesn't get God's attention. Don't tell me God's not drawn. And the angel says, your prayers and your giving, your giving has come as a memorial offering. Because he wasn't looking for something back, he was giving with joy and gladness in his heart and generous." And God does see it. If You give with a mean heart and you're reluctant to give. Many of you sit in debt and struggles, but you, you are bad stewards, bad of your finances, foolish. I mean, we get credit cards in the mail we didn't ask for, and we eventually scratch that thing off and call them, and we buy we buy things we didn't need with money we didn't have, thinking we'll pay this 18% credit card off, Right away, and 10 years later, we still have the card and the mountain of debt. That's foolishness. Better get wisdom and start managing God's money better and your money. God never planned for you to be poor. He said the poor will be among you, not some of you. He wants you to help the poor. You can't help them if you're always doggone poor. Do you hear what I'm saying? You're meant to be prosperous. You don't see poor Jews easily. Come on now. They may moan, but they've got money. <laughs> Murmuring is part of their nature, it seems to me. Are you hearing me? So open that door in your heart, because God can prosper you. If you're trying to figure out how it can happen, pfft, he's going to that list. The only thing I have against that list, you're naming increases and so on. God's got ways you just don't know. He's way... Up. Let me tell you a little story, though. This is... Uh, I went to preach in a, in a church in Louisville, Kentucky. Rogers is the pastor's name. And uh, I preached there a few times. And the son was telling me about his dad, who was so tired of all the poor people in his church. Because he ministered to the inner city with the food banks and everything else. And he said, God, if I just have one millionaire, just one. And he meets this, you know, this man, and he cussed a lot. And he said, if you can, you can heal my cuss, I'll come to your church. And he did. And the story came out, come out that this man was 65 And he was so tired of being poor that he borrowed money against his second Social Security check. And he started frying chicken. That's all he could do. He had no qualifications. He had nothing to to go home with except frying chicken. You've heard of Kentucky Fried Chicken. I know you have. He became extremely wealthy before he died. So don't tell me you're too old. Don't tell me you've got no money. Don't tell me you have no education because that's all of him. So nothing is too hard for God. So you need to get your mind out of that gutter. Out of that, low so is me. Get yourself together and start serving God. Are you hearing me? Yeah. All right. Sorry about that. I didn't mean to get into the little money stuff, but I'm, I am Jewish. All right. <laughs> Jews are a funny breed of people, you know. The coming in conversation with a real Jew is really difficult. So, Izzy, how are you? You should ask how I am. That's the kind of answer you get. Anyway, we're professional guilters. (laughs) Don't come Thanksgiving. I I know you're busy. It might be my last one, but don't come. (laughs) Professional we are. All right, so John chapter (laughs) 5 reads like this. If I can just go back to it again. I put my finger in too many places again. John 5, verse 1 says, Sometime later, Jesus, you remember him? Remember Jesus? Your Savior, Yeshua, Savior, Lord, went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. And I haven't got time to teach you lots of them. There's seven official ones. Now they're in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate. When I say that to you, and how many have been to Israel? Anybody been to Israel? You, You guys are, I'm taking a tour in December again the 6th. And I have a few spaces open left. You want to go to Israel and, and learn from a? I I do all the tour myself, and I talk alone. And I give you the gospel and the truth. You will not come home the same. But the, Jerusalem has seven gates officially. One gate extra came now because the Catholics, they opened a gate because it was too inconvenient to go from their monastery. The nuns wanted to, didn't want to walk so far. And so they opened an eighth one. But this, there's still one that's closed, which is a gate beautiful. But if you look at Jerusalem... And if you look at Jerusalem at the Temple Mount, there is a gate at the very eastern side, and there's a gate on the north side of the Temple Mount, and that's called the Sheep Gate. Today, it's called the Lion Gate. Uh, I've got a long story to tell you why it's called the Lion's Gate, but uh, the Sheep Gate was called that because the Bedouins, which are the people that raise goats and sheep, and they travel from place to place in tents to this day, until 90 years ago would sell their sheep at that gate. Because it's so close to the temple and close to the, to the pool of Bethesda, which is a, what's known as a mikvah. I don't know if you know what a mikvah is. I'm going to tell you. It is a holy water that you can sanctify yourself. It has come from the ground untouched. It must not bubble. And because it came out every once in a while, a few bubbles, they, they spilled it over into a bigger pool. Now, it reads like this. Now, there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which is in Aramaic called Bethesda, which is surrounded by five... Covered colonnades. So imagine a whole these big gazebos. Colonnades, five of them, and it says here a great number of disabled people used to lie. The blind, the lame, the paralysed. One who had been there, been an invalid actually for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned, someone told him that he had been in the condition. So he didn't get revelation. Someone told him. In this condition, for a long time, he asked, he asked the man, do you want to get well? And to me, that's a ridiculous question. Now, I'm just sitting here at this place for all these years because I want to like the company. I mean, why would you ask a question like that with all these sick people, what, it's I like going to a hospital and say, do you want to get better? Really? Why would Jesus do that? Why, in fact, it's even odd that he even asked someone. Because the pattern of the Lord, they tracked him down to get the healing. They touched his garment in the midst of a crowd just to get the healing. They, did, they broke roofs open to get near to him. And here he's going to, up into a bunch of sick people. Do you want to get well? Very odd. And it got my attention... And I wonder what was that all about? And he says to him, Get up, pick up your mat and walk. Now, to you it may seem very understandable, but watch, for us Jews is not. At once the man was cured and he picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was Shabbat. If he had just said to him, Get up and walk, be okay, but he had to take his smelly old mat. Why? Why would you do that, Jesus? You know it's Sabbath, and you, know you don't need that mat anymore. Why would you do that? Stay with me. And so the Jewish leader said to this man who had been healed, is the Shabbat, the Sabbath, the Lord forbid you to carry your mat? But he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea. What? Are you telling me, Jesus, you healed him and didn't even tell him the good news? What's why, why would you heal someone and not give them the gospel? Yeah. Something's odd to me, don't you think? And so he had no idea who he was. But Jesus had slipped away into the crowd and was, and, uh, that was there. Later, Jesus t- found him at the temple, later, and said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning, or something worse may happen to you. Worse than 39 years being an invalid? What, were, what, can, and what kind of sin am I doing all laden up? I can't even move. Yeah. So what kind of sin is that? Because you're not saved. Let me tell you, the real gospel, out of the mouth of Jesus, he says, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit, and he's going to convict the world of sin, and of righteousness, and of judgment. Sin, because they do not accept me righteousness because I go to the father judgment because the prince of this world is condemned and you always want to think well because of sin i could sin in my life no the sin is not embracing him as your savior and lord that's the sin when you die god's not going to check let me see how good a life you led he's going to check did you receive my son or not it's that simple you understand all right good i'm telling you the truth Truth will make you free. right. So, but they replied, the man, where am I now? Okay, see you well again, don't do this. What's worse than being crippled? Eternal destruction. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. So because Jesus was doing these things on Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, I'm going to stop now. In his defense, Jesus said to him, my father is always at his work. But it said, it must rest the seventh day, but even God rests. My father is always at work to so this very day, and I too am working. Now I don't, I don't get Jesus. Can I, Jesus? Can you ask a question? It's Sabbath, right? And you went into the you went to the pool of Bethesda. Why? Do you know there were a lot of more sick? You want to work? Come back with me. Just there's there's all these sick people here, Jesus. How about how about we have a service and you heal a lot more people and get them saved? How about how about that, Jesus? And if you want to work, let's do it. You didn't touch one other person. Only healed one person. All those that doesn't make any sense. All those sick people, and only one gets healed. There's no logic to it. It's crazy to me because he had a, he was there on a mission. He had some plan going. He never discussed with his disciples. He didn't discuss with anybody. He had so many plans always. My father is always, and so am I. What are you at work with on Sabbath? I'm about the father's kingdom. I'm doing what I'm told to do now. Stay with me. I'm going to teach you something very valuable. That's to help you in your life. The two miracles that were done with this one, that were named in Jerusalem, this is the northern part. If you look at Jerusalem, we have three valleys, and they come together, and they form a bottom piece together. We have Kidron, which is very famous. The Kidron comes to the Mount of Olives and down. And this first peninsula, what makes it so famous, there is a river or a waterfront, a water source inside the mountain called the Gihon. And the Gihon has always applied. Before David even arrived, all the other Philistines lived in their built fortresses. Impenetrable is that water all the time. So David had get through, got men to go through those caves, to go and get through in from those caves. And it was Hezekiah that was building a city bigger, didn't want to be invaded, that he redirected the water, and then it spilled out. It would spill out in the south. He redirected the, the cave into the uh, pool called Salome. Who's heard of the pool of Siloam? Anybody? Heard of the pool of Siloam? Right. So in the north of Jerusalem, we have... Bethesda, and in the south, we have Siloam, and they both are Mikbah, which are holy pools, right? So the Sabbath, he heals, goes into that place, all these sick people, only picks one that's lame. Do you want to get well? He asked him because he was looking to do a miracle on a lame man, and he couldn't if the man didn't want to get well. But who doesn't want to get well? People are like that. They enjoy the sickness. They enjoy the sorrow. They enjoy feeling sorry for themselves. They don't want to really be free, some people. You want to get well and you heard his spirit, okay, get up, let's go. You're you're a good candidate, let's do it. So you actually didn't look for him, you were more about getting a lame man healed. It seems like it. Then he goes to the south and he finds a man blind from birth. Now, how do you know someone's blind from birth? Is there a sign, blind from birth, please help? How do you know someone's blind from birth? But I've seen a few people now. Who have no eyes, it's like they receive it completely in the you don't see an eyeball. Most blind people that go blind, they'll stare. you'll just see the eyes, but they can't see anything. But if you born, are born with eyes, it's, it's like they receded. there's no, ice, there's no, actually no eyeball. So Jesus looks at him, and I know this is what he's thinking. Hmm, I was there when we made man. God the Father took ah, dust, dust. He picked up some soil and he gathered and he couldn't keep it together. So I need something. (coughs) spittle work. (coughs) And he and he rolls his little eyeball and he puts it in there and then he and he says, go go wash your eyes at the pool of Siloam, which is a holy pool, on the Sabbath. And a whole commotion starts because of that again. So both miracles, the northern one and the southern one, all both on Sabbaths, and both supernatural. On the pool of Botha, uh, these, the, these pools of holy pools. So I'm thinking, why did you have such a strange agenda? Then I found it. In 2 Samuel, chapter, no, out of my mind, went, five, chapter 5, verse 9. When King David arrives at the city of Jerusalem, was called something else then, he stands up below the walls, and the, the Philistines or the the, the, the Philistine group, the last of them to overcome were the Jebusites. They were there. And they shouted down, You will not take the city. Even a blind man and a layman will keep you out. So when the son of David wow. came to the city, with purpose, he went to the north and the south, found a blind man and a layman, and healed him. Now why I'm telling you this is He didn't tell his disciples or anybody else. In your life, you wonder, I don't know why this happened. I don't get it. Why did God allow? God has a much bigger plan in motion. So stop your whining. (laughs) Jesus came to give another example. In the last few days, the whole procession, the last days of his life before he was crucified, he said to them, I long to have this last supper with you, and I'd love to teach you about that. It's a fantastic. Whole And the whole processional thing, he got, the, he organized the, the donkey, he organized the whole thing that it must be exactly according to the word, and he finds this fig tree. A fig tree in March that only has fruit, big fruit, in October. It's in leaf. Everybody knows that. And he looks on, on the tree for fruit, and he c- can't find it, so he curses the tree. Well, the truth is that those trees do have little fruits, when the leaves start getting made, they bring little figs first. Most Jews ignored or take them off and let the big figs come in October. And so he rebuked that tree and cursed it. I don't know why you had to curse it, because it was symbolic, spiritually, a declaration, because Israel was the fig tree. And they were called to be a voice or a light, actually a light, to all nations. and they failed. So he cursed them. And he said in Matthew 24, a more terrible time that has never been or will be again is coming. Pray that it's not on the Sabbath. Pray that it, you are not pregnant. Pray that it's not winter, because you must flee to the hills. Because when 70 AD came and the Romans moved in with their army and destroyed Jerusalem, it was a terrible time, and I asked the Lord about that. I said, well, that, that was bad. I know they ate some of the kids and did terrible things, but there were more terrible times, like even my situation, my family with the Germans. And the Lord said, no, that, uh, that more terrible time was from 70 AD right to 1948. The nation was scattered and persecuted for almost 2,000 years because they did not fulfill the plan of God, and he cursed that fig tree. That fig tree that was cursed was those 2,000 years to give a window opportunity for the Gentiles to come into the kingdom. Do You understand? And they have, a, they have a duty, Jews have a duty, to be a light to the world. Now it's ours. It's been passed on to us. Do you understand that? You are a joint heir. You are linked in and you are a Jew, circumcised of heart. So you, that the Jewish nation is your brotherhood. Everything you serve, all your your ways, all the Christian ways are derived from Judaism. Jesus said that salvation is from the Jews. So you must understand the more you can learn about them. In fact, Jesus said that a teacher of the law who gets saved or embraces God's kingdom is like a man who goes to his storehouse and takes from the old and the new treasure. They are both valuable to you. So I encourage you to make an effort to learn these things. And I would love to, if you come with me to Israel on the 6th of December to the 16th, you will learn so much. I just took my staff with a special tour. We were seven adults, and I downloaded all the gospel, only the gospel. We don't do historical other things. No, there's not a time. You can only have so much time. And that's what we do that you'll become alive with the Word of God you'll be amazed at what you will learn and how excited and the anointing of God three things will happen to you in Israel you will first of all learn more than you've ever believed understand God's word the second thing is you will definitely have an encounter there's no way the Son of God can be on that on that part of the earth and not leave a presence behind impossible the third thing is, the third thing is you will begin to understand when you see the the Palestinian and the Golden Heights you'll see the all the separation, you'll understand how it is that the strife between the the firstborn of a Ab- of the firstborn and the secondborn, how that they're fighting for his birthright. Abraham from, from uh, Ishmael, Ishmael's fighting for his birthright. That's why he built a mosque right on top of the of the place the temple was. And so that and you are part of all that. The Ishmaelites don't hate Hinduism or other religions. They don't. Decapitate anybody except Christians. Why? Why are we the infidels? Why? Why are the other guys not? Why are the Buddhists okay? They worship funny things. And Hindu they do funny, but they're okay with that. No problem. Right? Because the truth they, they hate us because we are joint heirs into the truth we are grafted in. So you are a Jew, whether you like to be or not. Just don't act like Jews sometimes. <laughs> act like Jesus. Be the bitter Jew. Can you say amen? Was I able to teach you something? Okay. Can I have uh, Eric come bring me some of the product and tell them about it, but don't act like you don't really care. Act like it's really (laughs) enthusiastic. You really believe in those books. 23 years, I can't get him motivated. Come on now.
1: All right. And it's really good to be here this morning. Uh, The worship is fantastic. I want to just put up a tent and stay here. So I'm more blessed to be here. But... uh, according to what Prophet Ed's talking about, that we have his CDs again and his books in the back, and it's really good material if you're hungry to grow in the prophetic and want to understand more of the Word of God. There's uh, products out there like I Can not I can Do It, a CD series. It's faith-building. There's a CD, uh, CD series out there on War Room about prayer and and uh, discovering how the enemy has schemes and plans to try to take you out. And uh, Ed unlocks the secrets he uh, helps give you uh, understanding to fight and war with the prophetic word and the written word of God, the spoken word of God. We've got a great book on interpreting dreams. It's uh, helped develop a pattern so we understand the patterns in our dreams. So I encourage you to stop back there and get something for yourself or someone else. God bless. We'll see you back there.
0: He's not so Jewish as I am. This is how I w- This is what I would say. If you don't buy it, you're going to go to hell. <laughs> That's our Jewish <laughs> advertising methods. They work well. <laughs> Who would like to go to Israel? Anybody would like to go? Anybody? You can see Eric and especially Sonia. Sonia's to- on top of her game. It is phenomenal. It's worth every. It's the best thing could happen to you. Honestly. All right. So now I'm going to prophesy. Is that okay? Okay. Lock those doors, please. No one. <laughs> All right. Let me start with the young fellow I'm looking straight at, who's got a beard and face, the one behind you, by himself, Sergio, are you a Russian? How, stand up, dude, Dude, how old are you? What? Are you sure? 31, you know, Jesus started his ministry when he was 30 years old, did you know that? Did you know that? He started the ministry, but he died when he was 33. Just saying, trying to encourage him, is it working? You Arkansas guy thinks I'm I'm weird, right? What's your name with Arkansas? Nick the Trick. All right, good to meet you, Nick. you got some muscles there, fella. So are you married? Would you like to be? Point and click. Are you born again? You speak in tongues? Cast out devils, heal the sick, raise the dead? You better start. All right. What do you do for a living? Because you're about to go for a whole big major job change. It's at the door for you, and you need the, the word that I have to give you from the Lord is leave behind you what's behind you. You're carrying a lot of baggage and frustration and memories and things. The best for you is to turn from it. You know when Lot had to leave Sodom and Gomorrah. This wife was not to turn around and look back for one second. Cut it all back. That's what God's asking. Cut it all and start afresh. God likes you, and I'm not sure why, but he really likes you. You have some favor of God on you, and I don't know how that came, but God really favors you, and he wants to bless you. But you've got to take it seriously. Do you understand? And you've got to put behind you now, behind you. It's a new day. God's got a great job for you. And uh, if you can learn one thing today from the word of the Lord, is not to, to react or get emotional. But you're very sensitive and you get all excited. You need to calm it down. And if you, are, if you are excited in the job situation we're going to, there was this management waiting for some sort of leadership thing, don't let anybody know you're concerned, panicky. because you don't, hand, you don't handle pressure well. But you can. You're actually much smarter than you think you are. You have the mind of Christ. You can do all things through Christ. Do you understand? What makes, you, it's not, what makes you a powerhouse as a leader is not the fact you can handle pressure or not handle pressure. It's the integrity of your heart. You've got a wonderful heart. You're very sincere. And there, there is no, there's no deceit in you. There's no wickedness in you. And that's what people need in the leadership. They need to trust someone with the keys they can lock up or trust them to dispatch the vehicles correctly and tell the truth and not buddy-buddy and just steal, let them steal things and say nothing. That's who you are. You're not that man. So the skill to learn not to panic and to be calm it comes from the Holy Ghost. He's going to teach you. It's in you. It's in you. Growing up, you tried so hard to please someone, and you love your family, but you tried hard, and it was always difficult. You tried. just felt like you always fell a little short. You never fell short. You were always everything God wanted. You were a blessing. Eric, do you want to work, or do you want to sit there and do nothing? I'm sorry? How about earning your salary? That would be good, right? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Am I rough? Did I say it loud? I'm sorry. <laughs> Thank you. You Got anything for him? Not right now. Okay, good. The guy in front of him with the beard, what's your name? Daniel. And this is your lovely daughter next to you? Who's she? Girlfriend. (laughs) He's got a girlfriend. Why don't you? I'm just kidding you. I'm teasing. I'm teasing you. So, Daniel, what do you do? You're a pastor? <laughs> you like my jokes, huh? That's what they call a Jewish sense of humor, really. It's wit. That's what they would call it in Israeli, yeet wit. So uh, um, you are electronically gifted. And you, you unfortunately take offense, and you harden your heart. People don't hurt you, people don't hurt you. What they do is they harden you. And you've been offended by a few things and you've hardened your heart. And You're no good to anyone, you're hardened heart. So I'm going to appeal to you to let go because you're a good man and you're very smart and you're meant to be very successful in the electronic industry, and the internet, all that stuff. But you're very smart, you're, a, you're very calm, very focused and you learn things fast and you can solve problems. You're a gift. God wants to bless you. You're gonna work for someone else for a while, then they're gonna promote you, and then you're gonna have your own business. let that's God's plan for you. As for you, ma'am, what is your name? Sharina. Do you like Serena? Are you married to no I'm not married? Are you do you like him? How long do you know him? Two years. That's all we need to get married. What's two years is going out in a long time. (laughs) A little over a year. Okay. Let's not go too long now. You know, we all have a use-by date. (laughs) All of us. You didn't know that? You all didn't know you have a use-by date? Darn it. (laughs) So, So what do you do? Okay, here's the deal. I know you might find this strange. Are you born again? This might be a strange thing for you, but I have to speak it to free you from it. You have a self-hating spirit. You don't like yourself because you don't think you're good enough. You don't think you're pretty enough. And it's a lot of lies because you are beautiful and you are a wonderful person. And you've done so much good for so many people. And I'm sorry that your own family don't always celebrate you. But God, God rejoices over you with enormous joy. Since you were born, you've always been an unselfish and kind and generous-hearted person all your life. And that's what's recorded in the book of remembrance in God's kingdom, not the things that people try to say. You're a blessing. It was a good thing you were born, a good thing. And you're a blessing not just to him but to many people. Now, I've got your name again, sir? Daniel, I don't want you to be negative. I don't want you to say anything that seems to be negative. This girl you have is misbehaved. Pollyanna positive, but you can drag it down with your negativity sometimes. So I don't want you to do that anymore, okay? I want you to look for the right, because you are a man of God, a man of God. Look for the positive, we can do this, no matter what they say. Those spies came out and tin whiny, 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 and two said, we can do it, we can do it. And they weren't even smoking pot. <laughs> I'm funny, right? See? So you won't forget me and Harry. They couldn't handle me in Arkansas, them squirrel-eating fellas. <laughs> they a sure country up there in that Arkansas. Yeah, you would. They chewed tobacco the and spit and eat them. I you, okay. My very One of the first churches I ever preached was in Hot Springs. Hattie Lou Brooks. You know her? Yeah, I've got a testimony in half in that church. Okay, so... And uh, you guys are planning on getting married? So I feel very good about the two of you together. I feel very good, just not time, but I feel good about it, right? And uh, so Daniel, you're gonna, you're gonna do well workwise. I
1: promise. Go. Yeah, Daniel, what I heard was that you're gonna be in the future traveling on the road for your business. Um, I, I see this tech house in the middle of a woods, like it's the land has to be cleared that you're gonna own and build in the future uh, for you, ma'am besides a pediatric up front in the office, I believe there's a, a gift, a ministry to children in your life. So it's like you're right in the right department with pediatrics, but it's not the right job. And so whether it's in a church or um, your home, I feel like there's this ministry of children in your life. Woohoo! All right.
0: Thank you, Jesus. Could you pick someone up from each each group? Would you, no. I'm going to give you three minutes to do it. Yeah. Look for someone you don't like. (laughs) Troublemakers. What's your name? Then look around while I'm with her. You can look at the other groups there, please, Pastor Lina. What's your name, ma'am? Hi, Janine. Are you married? And what do you do? Real estate. You're carrying a bit of a burden, even though you have been successful, you're carrying a burden right now and you're worried about things, you don't sleep well at night because something's bothering you, I'm here to tell you, the Lord has sent an angel to answer your prayer. You're just not doing it fast enough for your liking. But he's got it under control. He wants you to take a break or take a breather. To settle down because God has never failed you yet. You are a faithful child of God. You're a faithful servant to his kingdom. He will not fail you. He will not. He just moves it his way and his time. You must trust him. He's going to work it out. It's all going to work together for good. He makes it work together. He makes it. Forcefully makes it work together. But he likes you. And he's with you. He's going to take care of you. Do you understand? Your real estate business has had its ups and had its downs. And God says, I'm going to bless you. No one can stop my blessing. Nobody. Nobody. Stay there. Keep going. Go.
1: I heard birds and things. And I heard that the Lord says it. Flourishing. The time of flourishing is ahead. The the, the dried up stream is going to be a, a, you can going to hear that stream starting from a distance, and it's going to flourish. You're you are flourishing, and something right. that God is bringing new friends, a new new people to encourage and walk with you and fight with you. There's just it's like you are part of a mighty group of a mighty movement. You're part of a mighty team. Uh, and it's not going to be just, I'm um, doing real estate, but there's going to be an excitement to almost say a new title, a new position. There's just a new chapter. Amen.
0: Heather? Heather? Hello, Heather. I was looking at you when she before she even said. And uh, next to you is your toy boy. Okay, stand. <laughs> Yeah, look at that muscle, he, he go gym. I get a feeling once in a while, I should go to the gym and then I lay down till the feeling passes. <laughs> so what's your name, sir? Roger. Roger. And what do you do, ma'am? Ma'am. That's great. The best gift you could ever give your children. Best gift, especially in this country, is to homeschool them, honestly. Nothing like it. So, you have only two kids? You know that God told you to fill the earth. Just saying. Something is wrong. What do you do, sir? British petroleum? Oh, splendid, indeed. All right, indubitably. Ma'am, you're born to lead. It's a natural gift. You can't help yourself. It takes all because he's very strong in leadership. You're able to follow him, but it's very hard not to always want to help everybody. Where to park, and what to do, and how to do things, because it's a natural gift from God to be a leader. You have your dad's genes who could always solve a problem, always have an answer. It's, don't have to apologize for it. Just hone the skill. That's all. Use it correctly. It is God's plan for you to have a little group in your own home of ministry of people that won't come to church but will come to your home. Because from that, there'll be those that will come and want to serve God. And so you've got to teach the word. It's very bad if you become dormant. You need to use your gifting and ministry. It's in you. I apologize on behalf of the church that burned you. Not this one, but the, where you come from, you were kind of burned, and, and you're holding God responsible, in your heart shake it off. It's just people. They're just idiots. Forget the people. You serve God because you are a great woman, and you just can't please everybody. People are threatened by you because you're so gifted. There's nothing much you can do. You, you, everything you do is... Uh, people come to your house, you invite them to dinner, and then they, they want to come back because you cook so well. Everything you do is so excellent that they, you threaten them. So you've got to, you know, not always have all the answers. Act like you're dumb sometimes. But it'll make them feel better, I suppose. As for you, sir, uh, you're a go-get-em. You're a go get You're a fighter. You're always, you always... You complain about the challenges and the hardship, but you thrive on it. The more difficult it gets, the more the fight is on. You need a fight. You cannot exist without a fight. And it gives you that, that hunt. You have to have the hunt. And so at home, you have the peace, and she's created a very happy environment for you so you can go on the hunt. And even now, though you the... Whatever your title, you called, you're, you're looking and scouting around for something else already. And God has plans for you. He has. He wants to promote you, but he wants you to be completely his. Now, you're saying I'm serving you, God, but you've got it in a corner, in a categorized. He's not number one. He's not the... F- He's not the main focus, and if you make him your main focus, he'll give you everything else. Everything else. You've always wanted a very expensive, uh, it looks like a Ferrari or something, a car of some kind, and you're going to have exactly that. Exactly that. I don't like them. You can't get in and out of there. You, you need someone to help you. If I get in there, there's no getting out. There, I'm going to stay there. So, <laughs> but there's great success waiting for you. There's no question... There's a lot of rearranging in your side of the family. It's things that are just a little strange. There's a spirit of jealousy there. The sun may not shine over the other. It's the funniest thing, and they say things about you and don't take it personally. It's just their immaturity. They're not serving God. They don't understand. But the best you could do is get more on fire for God and it will spill over onto them. You must do that. You do have another house that's in the, in the process in God's plan as an upgrade as part. It's not that you need another house, but God wants to bring everything in alignment with his purpose because the house that you'll have is very executive, very upper class, so that the people you do entertain and bring there will help the whole market that God's got planned for you. The the East is opening up to you. Dubai and certain places are opening up to you in business, all part of the plan that God had planned for you. And so all of that is part of it. And let me tell you, you you're smart, but you're much more discerning than you think you are. If go with your first instinct, because often you made a mistake, which you had a feeling, but your brain ever took over. And some of those guys are crooked. And let that feeling lead you, the Holy Ghost lead you. That's all I'm going to tell you. Oh, give me your boys' names. What are your boys' names? How old is Jordan? Fourteen, you got a fourteen? You were ten when you got married? You? Jordan, uh, Jordan is an interesting little fellow. He... He knows how to keep his money and spend yours and negotiate and get things that he wants. He's, always got, he's very ambitious of many, on many different arenas, but he's always got a little agenda in so many ways. But he's going to succeed. He doesn't like the school as much. He's not as excited about learning. He'll do more outdoor stuff, please. That's what he wants to do. But the pressure you put on him is going to help him, and he's very smart. He just doesn't want to use it. The next one is Skylar. skylar has got a tender heart. He's very sensitive. He loves people. And he always wants to, wants, to, wants to save and protect everybody. He wants to be the savior. And there's a call of God in that child's life because God made a promise to your forefathers, not your parents, your forefathers, that there'd be those in there that will serve God and in the ministry, and that's the first manifestation of it. Your own son. Your own son will work for God. God a tender heart. But I want to warn you, do not underestimate him. He's very smart. It just takes a while to get there. He thinks things through for days. When he asks a question today and then tomorrow... By the third day, you could be sure something's coming. That's him. He's always got a plan, but he's got a very solid,
1: good, charactered heart. Very good man, boy. Yeah, I felt that uh, both of you guys are very much put together by God. You're a great team. Um, sir. for you. I feel like the Lord's put an authority upon you and 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 also leadership, authority that you're a good covering, very spiritual person. And for you, ma'am, for the, the, your wife, I um, sense that this group that you're going to have is going to not just speaking, teaching the word to them, but they are going to grow in the gifts of the Spirit, grow spiritually, and really pray and do uh, damage against the darkness. Um, you look, uh, many times people take look at you guys and think you're both innocent or, or young, but you're mature, and that's why I believe the chapter is turned, the page turned, that you guys are. are walking into that leadership.
0: Nick and who? Oh, the Nick, the, the, I saw a movie with the last Mo, Mo, Mohican, is it was it, he had a thing in his hair just like yours. I don't have hair, so I always notice those things. <laughs> yeah, my hair went to heaven before me. So this is your wife, legally. Just checking. What's your name? Julie. And uh, this is, how many kids do you have? Just the three. Better than two, though, right? (laughs) Just saying. Okay, so what do you do for a living, sir? Yes, your full time job. Okay, and you work in the church too. Yeah, you love God, there's no question. You are seriously touched by God. You're not an ordinary Christian. It's a wonder you're not in full time ministry because you are so in love with the Lord. The ministry doesn't come from people's needs or even your talent. It comes from the love for God. If you love me, Jesus said, feed my sheep. It comes from that place. And you do love God, but at this time, God's got you working where you work because this is the main reason, because you're touching lives where you are at work. There are people that you are shepherding without even realizing. You're pastoring them. They won't go to church, and they wait. They make an excuse to get around you just to get some of what you have. You're a very good, godly man. There's no question. You have fire in your soul. And you're a blessing. And you've raised your kids. It reflects on your children, too. My sister, you serve the Lord. You don't always have the same excitement he has. You've got so much going on, you're practical. You have to take be the mama and take care of stuff. And he's got always well, up there spiritual. And you, But you want to take care of things. And uh, you carrying a little bit of sorrow from your own family things, and a little bit of uh, pulling here and there. And God says it's time for you to shake it off because I want you to know me, so I can you can find your destiny. Because you're a very gifted and talented person, and you're supposed to have your own business, supposed to. But you don't feel you feel so much pressure in your life. But you're supposed to do things with it's a uh, beauty salon or something like some unusual artistic type thing is what's inside of you, very creative. And uh, you the, you know you need know, to ask. What you're thinking, was, you'll tell someone, if someone you're upset, you're gonna let them have it. And it's just your nature, you're a communicator by by nature. He's just so, you know, he gives people so much space. You just you're gonna tell it like it is. But at the same time, you're a very loyal friend. Very loyal, very trustworthy. Person can depend upon you. As a sign to you that God is favoring you, you have a physical ailment that's am speaking to you, and it's not a huge thing, but it's bothering you. And when you leave this building, it'll leave you, every symptom will leave you, not return as a sign to you that God is pleased with you, not displeased. You can't please everybody. There's a healing in your family that God has sent an anointing to heal this constant disunity and strange stuff. He's going to heal the whole family by his spirit. These are your kids and this first little one in the blue shirt. What's your name, dude? Look at me. Noah, don't you dare think about building a boat. (laughs) Ever. I'll come after you. Noah a little character. If it broke, it really is him. Don't let him tell you otherwise. He did it. He's not wicked. He's just mischievous, and he has to find out how a thing works. We want to take it apart and find out how it works. But he's got a sweetest heart, sweet, sweet kid that's really, and he's such a mama's boy. He will always, the day you die, he will watch over you. He'll be inseparable from you. It'll be a tension in his marriage because he loves his mother so much. And it's not because you babied him, it's just there's a bond between you and him. I can't explain it, it just is. It's the way God has set it up. And he's a good boy, he's smart, he, he's a bit of a businessman, he, he's a bit shrewdy. Always oh, got a trick up his sleeve about money. But he doesn't keep stuff, he gets bored with stuff very quickly at this stage, but it won't stay that way. And what's your name, sir? Elijah. He loves God, he's got a touch of the Lord too in his life, he, he's got a sweetheart. How old are you, Elijah? Fourteen. And he's serious about God. He's really shedding friends because he's made a commitment to serve the Lord and do what God asks of him. And he really wants to do something for the Lord. He really does. And he will. He's got a mixture of his mom and dad. He's got his mother's strength of leadership and strong decision making, and he has your tender heart. All this all mixed together. Very good combination to make a good spiritual leader. Very good spiritual leader in him. And uh, the girls are gaga about him, but he doesn't really care. Leave him alone. It's just, it's just not a thing that bothers him because he's got his mind on the Lord. And that's good. And you've taught him well. You have, by your life, you taught him more than by your words. You've lived a very exemplary life in the smallest detail. Right down in your garage, the way you deal, deal with things and the way people have treated you badly, the neighbors. He watched you. And you lived the life before you spoke it. Tremendous. Okay, what's your name, girlfriend? How old are you? You had to name a Leah. You couldn't say Rachel, Leah was cross-eyed. So you 12, are you married? I'm just checking, okay, she's bossy. She will run the household, she'll run the neighborhood if she can. It's her, it's her person that she can't help her little self. You know her? It's my fault. Okay, so uh, it's this very strong-willed and she'll get a thing done, and she's not afraid. Her spiritual, Revelation says we have new names in heaven. Her spiritual name is, means victorious. She doesn't understand losing. She can't stand losing. A game, board game, she's the boss. But at the same time, she has a very good side to her. Very kind heart, and she moves fast. That's the only thing I don't like. You can't, you, she's hardly finished talking. She's really busy doing something else. It's, it's like, I can't keep up with this girl. It's just, what's wrong with her? She's hyper. What is it? But it's just her personality. There's nothing wrong with her. God made her that way. And she's going to get things done. And if she falls down, she'll get right back up and try again. She's just not afraid. She's not afraid of anything. She's the one that will make the money in the family. Seriously.
1: Our Mr. Nick. Um, what I hear is you're going to be a fiery preacher. Like I see this man standing there preaching and many lives getting saved and changed. For your wife, I feel like the Lord's bringing uh, showers of joy. There's showers of blessings in, you, in your life and, and much fruit around you, just a, a field just blossoming with trees and grass. Somehow, reason I'm seeing a lot of country. Um, and then for, for your son in the blue shirt, I, I felt that he was also going to do business. Uh, I guess Noah. Um, and for your other son, Elijah, um, didn't hear anything. Sorry. For uh, for Leah, in uh, the end, I heard Judge, like a uh, prophetic judge anointing.: If
0: you don't get anything, just make it up. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Don't do that. Sandy. Sandy and Mark, which one's Mark? I'm a joker. I'm a joker. So Mark, what do you do, sir? From what kind of corporate life were you in? What kind of industry? Uh, Oil Oil and gas. And what what do you do, ma'am? When I ask this question, I'm trying to piece together the immediate images I get in the spirit. It helps me to understand, to put it together more easily. You help people, ma'am? What do they title you? What's your title? Trauma, okay. But you're quite powerful little people. I'm grateful we could use more like you in the kingdom of God. You're just good people. Uh, what both of you do are unselfish things. He's, he's an interesting man. He's going to always keep his little nest egg and watches his money carefully a certain way. But he will be generous and sow and give and help so many people. You, brother, you hate to be used. You will help anybody, but don't abuse me. It makes you crazy. And, and, and so God says, even the abusers, bless them is I'll bless you, even the abusers. So lose that concern because I will be your protector and your helper. God is pleased with you and proud of you that you'll even help those that will misuse you. you. said there are many in the kingdom that have misused him, many, more than just the average. So as for you, ma'am, you've dedicated your life to rescuing people. You went through yourself, a situation, someone you loved that had to be traumatized and you learned techniques and ability and you just decided I'm gonna fight for people like you. And you've helped one at a time, but you've helped and made a difference. You've made, some have not been rescued, but many have. And you're to keep going, and I thank you for your labor of love. And I don't mean just with the traumatized, even your neighbors. You have touched their lives. You cannot imagine. You are such a positive faith house. Nobody, when they come to you, they come tell you all the stuff you don't want to know, it's because, it's because you bring such life to them. You always make them feel better, you always make everyone feel better. You are a remarkable woman and God will not be slow to answer your prayer. You've been praying for someone in your own family you love so much, you've done all you can do. I will not forsake you, the Lord says. You've not forsaken mine, I will not forsake yours. It's that simple, God promises you. As a sign too, there's a little physical ailment in you too today and you'll leave here and you'll see that thing is gone, just gone because the Lord loves you so much. As for you, Mark, uh, I thank you for your generosity over the years, and you really don't want to give that people can see or know, but I'm grateful you do what you do, and you are generous, and you need to be, that God can bless you, because the scale of which God has done in your life, it has to be generous, so that God can keep opening those doors, and you'll keep on trading till the day you breathe your last. It's not because you need the money, it's because you're gifted at it. Boy, you you could talk, Someone and negotiate them to to sell you their shirt at 10... You make them buy their own shirt. You're such a negotiator. Clever negotiator. But you're also a good friend, a good man, and a good dad, and a good neighbor, good every way. And God salutes you and honors you for that. He's extended your years. You should have been knocked down physically, but God has watched and spoken over you and given you new life.
1: Right? Eric? For Mark... I see you putting on a hat and I feel like the Lord says it's, he's got an assignment for you, very specific assignment. I feel that like you're going to be part of like a, uh, a group making decisions that there's uh, wisdom and understanding that God wants to pull have you share with people so we be on the lookout. God's going to call you. Okay, we're done. Thank you so much. It's
0: been wonderful being here. Don't forget to buy the books if you want to go to heaven. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Don't Please don't buy any of my books. You're not going to read them. It's no, it's no good to you otherwise. Um, same with the CDs. Are you coming easy? Come on. What a man of God. What a tremendous man of God.
2: He's the one, as you know, responsible for this place. And. It's been awesome listening to what he has to say to people because you know what? It's truthful. It'll come to pass. Whatever he says, he speaks with God's authority when he does that. Now, I'm just going to speak with God's authority. We're going to take up an offering for him. We have always been one of the greatest churches to give an offering to any place we have had people to tell us that we have gotten more from y'all's offerings from any of the big churches we've ever been you know why we want to give from a heart we want to give from love we want to give from compassion we want to let him a hey, you know he, he he's going to Arkansas next week well, well we'll send him to Arkansas okay we'll send him to every place around the world To give you a word that you need to go by. I remember when he gave us this word. He says, You're going to go in a building. It's going to be two stories. It's going to be an elevator up there. I said, I couldn't think about going in an elevator. You know, you kind of go crying around and this. this, But you knew the signs out there, this is a Houston Astros. Triple-A team comes right over there. That's their that's their, where they play right there and there. And this is the busiest city, busiest streets in the city, 90 and University Boulevard. So today, I want you all to really dig down and get some whatever it is, and we want to give from the Lord to him. I, I don't know who's going to get some baskets. and We're going to. Yeah.
3: I'll do the instruction part. Uh, you can give several ways. Uh, if you wanna give online, feel free to do that. Uh, there are um, envelopes up here. If you have, are giving by uh, cash, you can fill out the form. Or if you bring by check, you can just come and drop it off in here. And then also uh, Cash App. Uh, and uh, just make sure it's dollar sign epicenter life. Uh, and just on the four line, make sure and put for ed. If you've never given to us before, Uh, And you're giving for Ed uh, in the four line as well. Just put your name so we can know who to ascribe that to in an email address uh, so we could send you a receipt. I think that has everything covered, but please give generously. Amen? Amen? Amen. I thought we'd give a second to take up the money, no? Yeah. 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 You can cue the music, though. You guys can come up and give in the offering baskets if you want to, if you're giving by cash or check. Who is and of course, life, by online. No one that I know I could serve Thank you, Lord. Can no we well, we'll just give Ed another hand while we're just about to wrap up? Thank you, Ed. I'm always blown away by his words and even more his teaching. Always, I learn so much and I'm just truly grateful. Thank you, Ed. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for what you have spoken today through the words, through personal words. God, we thank you, Lord, that you are just doing a new thing in this area, God. And so we thank you, Lord, for the new wave. We thank you for a fresh wind. We thank you for the revival that is already stirring in our hearts. And we just say, let your kingdom be established on this earth. In Jesus' name we pray and we'll say amen you guys are dismissed we'll see you next week at 10:30